This is Thomas DePolo. This is Max. This is Kevin Ham. Hey, this is Jake Cook. Hi, this is William Roy. You're listening to The Green Box. So a long time ago, the folks on the Night of the Opera Discord, uh, myself included, were kicking around to the idea of this like uh, scenario contest done like game jam style, like real short time frame to write it and playtest it and then, you know, kind of analyze it and get a final one done in a short amount of time. And I never picked it up and ran with it, but thankfully another member of the Discord did, Zomner, and he uh, hosted Zom- ZomnoCon, which was like a two-week Basically, had what is a week to write it, and then a week to write it and playtest it, and then a week to a weekend to write it, a week to playtest it, and then like a, a few days or whatever to incorporate your playtest feedback, right? So I know Jake and Max submitted things. Um, so, and this is there are only a few submissions, so we can kind of just talk about them and see what people think. But I was curious for the folks who wrote something for it. Uh, did you do anything different because we only had two days to write this or three days to write this or yeah it played out a lot differently for me um, because Kevin you administrated a couple of the other contests uh, on the server right oh yeah when when did the bulk of the entries come in they either come in right away or right at the end right at the end yeah um, it's like I, I said is uh, kickstarters you get most of the money for kickstarters in like the last 48 hours when people's emails uh reminders come in to back it and it's the same same idea here all of his entries or majority of his entries come in you know last 48 hours of any given contest and um he's just cut straight straight to it and it was like all right guys you got 48 hours only it was a little bit it was a little bit more i averaged one entry per day during the submission period do we, do we want to just go straight to talking about the submissions, or are we talking about process still? I'm interested in talking about process. Okay, process was um, that. So I'll, I'll, let's let's do just the basics of what the contest was. Uh, participants were given a weekend to write the scenarios. So the themes were announced on Friday. You had to use one of the themes in order to uh, be allowed in the contest, essentially. Themes are, were just chosen based on what the contest organizer, Zomner, thought was a good idea. Uh, the themes were things like films and things Zomner likes and American fast food restaurants. And uh, robots and libraries. Those are the other yeah, two. there were four possible choices, but he said that if you thought of something else that you'd talked to him about before that he enjoyed, you could also use that. So you had two days to work on your submission and then a week to playtest and revise that submission, which I was I was pretty adamant that a week was not long enough to playtest games on Night of the Opera because typically you don't actually have a whole week. You're competing for a small handful of time slots that people are actually available during. But it seemed like all the submitters managed to get their games playtest, so I was actually wrong about that. Yeah, I got mine playtested twice, once by me and once by someone else. That's pretty impressive. I, I, I assume the same thing that you did, Max, that we never get them done because there's not enough bodies to draw from, but it seems like that is an older, not of the upper problem. We have a lot more people who want to play. And they got more foreigners places to run. Yeah, so. so they play it in like the American mornings as opposed to American evenings. Yeah. So there were what, nine submissions total? Yep, nine total, including one 
by Zomner? So I sent in two. Jake sent in one. Zomner sent in one. The rest were submitted by Sword Night of the Opera users. I think everyone except for Kevin either ran or played in one of the scenarios. Yeah, it just fell in a, a busy-ish weekend for me, so I just kind of, I'm like the odd man. I didn't really have any involvement in it, so. Fun. It was fun to read through them, though. And for the most part, they were all um, really good. I'd say that like all of them are at a state ready to be played. There's only like minimal adjustments that you'd have to make to some of them in order to run them. So the, this contest was really good for the same reason that the shot, shot gun, that the shotgun scenario contest is good because it provides you with an excuse to not do all the boring parts of a scenario and just all the tedious shit that you don't want to do but that everyone will complain that you didn't do if, if they see your scenario. You can just do the fun parts. You can just say, hey, guess what? You're in a fucking Wendy's, and you got a gun, and you know that someone here needs to die, but you don't know who it is. Um, since you brought it up, that's your scenario, uh, which I love the title of. Do you want to talk about it? Okay, yeah. Well, you just want to jump right into the scenarios. There are only nine of them, so we can probably get through them all. Uh, the first scenario that I wrote is called Sir, This is a Wendy's, and that title was suggested by Will after he played in it. The original title was like some Wendy's slogan for the 1990s. Sir, This is a Wendy's is a fast-paced, lightweight, light-hearted PvP scenario where everyone is given a pre-gen who has a reason to be inside of a Wendy's fast food restaurant in the year 1990. I think it's 1996. One player is given the role of a Delta Green agent investigating a woman who may have accidentally been possessed by a fire spirit. One player gets to be the woman possessed by the fire spirit, who is also the cashier at the Wendy's. One person is a random local cop who will be caught in all this business, but is also on the arson unit investigating the fire that the fire spirit escaped from. And finally, one player is an experimental Majestic 12 android who is there because it ran away from its masters and is currently hunting Delta Green agents. The only problem being that it has absolutely no idea who is the Delta Green agent other than a few very badly programmed heuristics, and it's rapidly running out of batteries. I really appreciate that you always, or you describe in this scenario that the the robot, not only is it outside, it's specifically ready to hurl itself through a window to get in. Because, like, why use the door when it can just bust through the window? Yeah. And Will got to play the robot in the playtest and did a really good job. Who won in the playtest? Or did anyone win in the playtest? Will, do you want to give your perspective on this? Um, I, I don't know that anybody won, honestly. Well, did anyone survive? Um, most people survived. Okay. The robot killed a wizard, so there's that. And how long did it take? Well, two, three hours, Mel? About two hours, yeah. Well, when I, when I read this, well, one, like I've read a couple of scenarios from UMAX that have this kind of PvP secret role, and you know, you you make those interesting because you don't just make one person have a secret. Everybody's got something going on. And that's why they're fun as hell to play in. So I was like, this would be great for a con, but I'd be worried if our end con would be over too soon. And then I realized what I would like to do is I'd have this ready to go if my other game finishes and we have like an hour left. Hey, let's do this real quick. Boom, here's your character, here's your motive, you know, here's your thing. We'll jump through the window, you're ready to go. So it's a great, like, pull it out at a con kind of thing, or kill time, like, that's perfect for that. I did a project previously, I never finished it, where it was just a collection of fast play PvP scenarios, where each character is given a pre-gen and a brief introduction to the situation they're in, and then you begin, and each one takes maybe an hour. It takes a bit longer than you'd expect, because combat is generally quite time-consuming in Delta Green. Yeah. Even though it's not 
that complicated. It still can take a while. So that, I think, is Sir, This is a Wendy's. Uh, Jake, you wrote a scenario. Uh, yeah, I did um, Operation Bowie Cipher or Putting Out the Fire with Facsimile. Um, it's a scenario about a rare book library. Uh, there's an urban legend I read about it that the fire suppression system in the library is designed to place the books over human lives. So it basically just um, turns on fans that suck out the oxygen in the room and pumps in the halon gas, and it can kill people. Halon. Halon, halon. Just for the record. Van Halon, Van, Van, Van Halen gas. Yeah, is it Van Halon or Van Halen? Depends who the singer is. So, Jake, Jake, for the viewers, what is Holden Gas? Um, it's uh, it's supposed to be a fire suppressant. I don't understand the mechanics of how it works. I just know that humans can't breathe it's, it. It's, n- it's non-combustible and it replaces oxygen. This is uh, someone with extensive experience with halon gas and fire suppression systems. <laughs> it just it, it's heavier. I believe it's heavier than air. So it just basically it it pushes out all the air in the space, and ga- gas or fuel won't burn in it. So uh, it'll put the fire out, but it will also kill anybody inside. Most data centers use a similar scheme for fire suppression. Because it won't damage equipment. And usually, even the most aggressive systems I ever had contact with would give you a few seconds of warning to get out. And it's not like a... It's not instant. So if you hear the little horn go off and you go... And run for the door. You can usually make it out and shut the door. And well, it, it's it's heavier than air, so just stand on a chair forehead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's pretty neat stuff. They used to use another gas. I forget what it was called. That was super toxic. And when you swapped it out, there was all sorts of procedures. I think Halon, or maybe it's like Halon A, Halon B. One of them is a lot safer to use now. The M1 Abrams tank has a Halon fire suppression system inside it. Yeah, makes sense. Jet which fuel. is stupid if you're inside it, but pretty smart if you get out, I guess. Hey, you can save the tank though. And you can well, just put well, another well, crew in and drive and, on. And you, you get out. Like, you yank the handle, you jump out the hatch and shut the hatch, and the fire goes out. But anyways, back to this scenario. Um, I said that that was the urban legend that was uh, surrounding it, and what it really was was um, one of Delta Green's, clin- you know, the 60s era Delta Green agents had put a magic spell on it that just basically transports the library into the vacuum of space for uh, fire suppression to kill off like a cult of uh, like fire vampire worshippers, because fire vampires want to burn books to get the knowledge that's inside of them. Can fire vampires not survive in space? Um, not in my scenario, they don't. It was about killing the cultists, not necessarily the the fire vampires. Right, right. So, Jake, I mean, this this uh, much like many Jake scenarios, I feel like if you went at this with a hacksaw and cut a bunch of stuff out, you'd make it a lot tighter. Because there was a lot of mechanics and things that I'd feel like didn't didn't necessarily drive the the game forward. Yeah, I mean, I finished it and over the course yeah, of the weekend. So for sure, yeah. I mean, I, I pumped it all out. I mean, there was a couple of things like I thought it would be cool. I didn't like the um, the the default Delta Green rules for fighting fire um, because there is nothing really um, about firefighting. It tells you like how much like what fire sizes do and how much damage they um, they cause. So I just made a couple of quick fire rules for fighting fires. So, uh, you know, just this scenario kind of takes some of those stereotypes about Call of Cthulhu and Delta Green where, you know, uh, burn the books, burn the building down, etc. You're supposed to do the opposite here. Don't don't burn the books down. 
Because if you do, the fire suppression system might kill you too. Um, Will was a part of the playtest. What did you think when you played it? Uh, the thing that sticks out in my head is there was a bit where... So part of the part of the framing of the scenario is that there's like a there's a body in the library. There was a bit where we're like, okay, so I guess we should get this body, you know, take it back to the to the, the morgue to get it out out of here, you know, because we're ostensibly doing investigation. And somebody says, you know, maybe somebody should go with the body just, just to make sure everything's okay. And then me thinking, oh great, here's us doing the stereotypical Delta Green party thing of let's massively overthink and pursue every red herring and me going all right fine fine i'll go with the body and not play the scenario while the rest of you guys get to play the game and it turned out shit actually happened to the body at the morgue yeah because it's so good, a good, good like job a, there a flash fire clone of yeah, the was the, the was main not character. expecting that was expecting to go okay cool can i play the game now actually things happened no, I enjoyed. I enjoyed that. And uh, I mean, that's basically the gimmick for the bad guys. He makes um, he can burn himself and cause HP damage to get lots of willpower, and then send out these clones of himself to go wreak havoc. And he's also got like a demon um, riding him, controlling his actions, making him act impulsively. But um, it was a lot of fun um, playtesting it, and I had fun listening to the other playtests. And uh, the characters that chose to go the Mad Wizard route um, enjoyed the content I had for the, the Mad Wizard route. One of them played in a scenario that I ran after that, and he said, that's the first time that I've had fun casting spells in Delta Green. My second scenario is based on the film Come and See, which is a... Soviet film from the 1970s about the Great Patriotic War in Belarus. It's about a kid who thinks it would be fun to join the partisans and fight the Huns, and his adventures doing that. I wrote this scenario before I saw the movie, and then I saw the movie, and then I only changed one part of it. I changed a very, a very small, a single line of text at the very end of the scenario, because I found that I had actually captured it pretty well. I just had fucked up the ending. Really like a surreal movie, and reading through the scenario, I think you were spot on. You really did capture that sort of... Um, that's just a very specific flavor of horror. The scenario is called The Devil in a Forest, named after the novel of the same name. Although it was originally called The Woods and the Goddess, named after the song off the Deadly Premonition OST. Anyways, uh, in this scenario, you play as some Nazi anti-partisan guys, and you go wandering around the woods looking for Belarusians to slaughter, and then something real bad happens to you because you offend somebody through your presence in these lands. And there's a bunch of stuff that I changed because the playtest feedback was super helpful, uh, like moving from a like really elaborate character generalization system where you you like determine what crime it was that your guy committed they got him assigned to this unit to just having pregens instead and then having a bunch of backup characters cuz the scenario was actually super lethal cuz the players kept killing each other cuz one of the cuz <laughs> so so awesome. that that that's completely historical for this particular group the anti-bandit formations were only really good at killing civilians. They weren't actually good at fighting, and they would often just get drunk and shoot each other because they were not, you know, the absolute peak of soldiering. These were not good dudes. And so, like, blasting someone because he wouldn't give you a cigarette earlier is completely in character. 
But it was a lot of fun. Um, the players really enjoyed like being a piece of shit, knowing that they would get their eventual comeuppance. And I basically the whole thing is a hex crawl. So there's a map with different spaces on the map. Um, and the player characters were asked to navigate across it in order to accomplish their goals. Tom, did you did you play in this playtest? I can't remember. I know that you were in one of the um, one of the scenario playtests for Zomnicon. I only listened into part of when you were running this one. I didn't actually play. Right. I have a moderately intoxicated memory of you being in the disky at the time, so that's why I thought that for a second. I had a lot of fun with this one. Um, people were very surprised that I was able to get the entire hex map done in such a short period of time. It actually wasn't that difficult. You only need to key a few hexes, and I found a generator that some guy had written that would fill the rest of them with just interesting random details about the landscape. Overall, I had a lot of fun writing it. It's one of my best-received scenarios for Delta Green. I'm pretty happy with it overall. Was it... Um, I mean, obviously, playing as the bad guys is kind of what makes it. Was there anything specific that made you want to write it that way? Or did you ever consider making it not? Yeah, I, I, there, there was no time when I thought this would be better if you played as the Partisans. From the beginning, it was going to be... Um, a story about bad people getting into trouble. That's really what Delta Green's all about, isn't it? Yeah. Can't I think exactly. that there's a, a pretty, not a straight line, but there's definitely a similar... Uh, there's a line of best fit. This was something that uh, I think the mother horse-sized guy talked about in the very last post of like just the, the sadistic, self-righteous thrill that you get from, from being someone who's real bad. In addition to any kind of moral or real-world perceptual difference. If you're playing as the partisans in that scenario, you start with a lot more information regarding both the lay of the land and also what kind of threats supernatural and otherwise there are, which I think would take away a lot of the tension from the scenario. Yeah, part of it is is the constant pushing forward to just do one more area because you know that the village you're supposed to clear is around here somewhere and the one the one big change i had to make from the preview version besides doing the characters uh doing pregens was giving them all motivations that would make them keep pushing forward because the scenario is at any time in the original version the players could just turn around and walked away and i'm super happy that they didn't because they realized that it was more fun to to just ride it out until the end and 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 be destroyed in their comeuppance. But I went back and I did motivations for all the characters that would ensure that they did not just turn around and leave when things got dangerous. There's also an environmental barrier, because I think it's on day two of the scenario, a big storm rolls in, and suddenly all the wet areas become flooded, and so it kills your movement rate to try and escape the area yeah, at that the point. The main the main like thing that can kill the scenarios if the players decide to leave on day one, but that didn't happen in the playtest and I just wrote some insurance in to make sure that it didn't happen in the full version. So I was I was very pleased with it. Uh it was very well received. I'm quite happy with it and I think that having externally imposed deadlines can be very positive towards getting you to think about which parts of something are absolutely necessary to complete it. So that is all three of the scenarios that were written by members of this show. There were seven, sorry, six others. There were six others. Uh, was there any that people 
really thought stuck out they wanted to begin the discussion with? I liked... Uh, I didn't listen to Neil Blake so I'm just going off of reading the scenarios, but I liked I Want to Break Free, which was Tetrarch's scenario, which is basically a basically a, a robot hunt. Basically, you're this robot breaks free from a majestic camp on an island, and you have to go in to kind of clean it up. Um, one thing I, that I really appreciate is, and we've talked about it on, on this show, is there's mechanics written in that if you if your character gets killed by this super, super lethal robot, um, then you can pick up, like, you just find a survivor in the ruins or find you know, a member of the science team or whatever. Um, that was something I really liked. And I also liked how the robot isn't... He wrote good kind of instructions for a handler so that this kill-death robot doesn't just murder your players. It's not... It has motivation other than just murder. It's trying to, like, do other things. So it's not so overpowered to be unstoppable. Yeah, the thing is that the robot is incredibly tough and really hard to destroy, but also its primary motivation is to escape this area it's trapped in, so you're really more of an annoyance to it than a threat it's actively trying to get rid of. I think that the robot could have had a tiny bit more flavor, because it's got pretty, you know, the mechanics are actually taken straight from a system that I wrote a year or two ago for um, uh, the Majestic Secret Power Armor Project. So those are all quite familiar, but it could have used just a tiny bit more detail, like like flavor elements, like, you know, the Crystal Matrix AI, or it's got a real human brain in there or something. But yeah, I did like that the straightforward, it wasn't just a straightforward combat encounter in a numbers game, because there were things like you can hunt around the island and find a cache of secret Cold War weapons, because which is good because your your default equipment is not going to harm this thing. Oh, see the um, my my wish list for it was that you included a couple of options for players to be able to make modifications to themselves as they become MJ12 super. Oh, soldiers. like the players can find you know like a like a canister of secret secret drugs that give them super strength. Yeah, like base raiders basically. Ca- Captain America juice. Base raiders are like Bioshock or something are born. Right. Or, you know, some, like, really, like, more so than just obscure, like, Cold War weapons, some, like, hyper-geometrical weapons, you know? Yeah. It's I feel like you can, good. like, negotiate with the robot. Like, you could win this scenario by talking, if winning is sticking it to MJ-12. Well, you're playing as Majestic 12, aren't you? Yeah, so that's the ultimate win. Disgracing your well, bosses? Like, no, Matt. We just we just talked about your scenario. We're playing as the bad guys, made it fun. So it's the same idea. I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't know that the player characters in this one are the bad guys. Yeah, it says they're uh, MJ12, either NRO Delta or Blue Fly. He doesn't specify because um, it's up to you, really. Because it's just important that you get there. That makes a huge difference whether they're good or bad because um, Blue Fly was typically in the novels. They were the the good guys. And which is which is why they got they got killed in huge numbers, and why the the commander sacrificed himself with a micro nuke to kill a monster. It's I, I don't think that playing as a majestic twelve guy and playing as a Einstatsgruppen like civilian killing guy are the same thing. Yeah, they're not they're, they're not the same. Not at I mean, all. Yeah, the not going to stand up to a lot of scrutiny here. The scenario is. A good example of how to do a relatively straightforward thing 
a lot of these scenarios depend on the person running them to inject the atmosphere and background details because there's not a whole lot of time to waste on putting that in in a uh, a weekend-based scenario contest. Do we have any further thoughts on I Want to Be Free? Who would like to go next? Hearing nobody. If, if, if we're going to talk about all of them, we got a kind of lightning round. All right, it, so. well, I'll talk about one that I like then. Uh, Operation Sangrine Vidette by Conscience yes. is it is a story about a guy at Secret Film School who finds a special robot that he uses to indulge in his sadistic tendencies by luring film students to a secret club and then doing horrible experiments on them using the robot. This is my favorite one. He uses the robot's special properties to do all kinds of sadistic things and then erase their memories. But the robot itself is also enslaved by this man because the robot doesn't actually want to be the servant of some coomer. It wants to return to the Earth where it belongs because it's an Earth robot. A while back, I played... And by played, I mean I ran a scenario called A Wizard, which is a scenario about going into a wizard's tower and finding him and uh, fighting him and so on. And that scenario was very... It had it had very minimalistic but very evocative textual descriptions that made a lot of use of bolding to communicate ideas, and this one is very similar in the way that it does that. I played in one of the play tests for this one. I think there were two. How'd it go? I really enjoyed it. It was fun because neither me nor the other person was playing a federal agent or other kind of law enforcement, so we really had to BS our way through the whole thing. It also includes a call-out to something you wrote for the first Night of the Opera contest. Yeah, it's got uh, Coney Island Carpets, a group I wrote up for the first set-piece contest as, like, backup, someone who can cover your ass if you get in too much trouble. Was that, you know if that was always in there, or was that a result of the playtest? It was in there from the first... Yeah, he just liked it so much, and the scenario is set in New York, so he decided to put them in there. Coney Island Carpets is good. Uh, for those of you who don't remember from our episode that we mentioned it in, like, 1,000 years ago, they're this group of guys who are uh, bratva, like Slavic mobsters, who pretend to be crime scene cleanup, and are crime scene cleanup, but will also do the illegal cover-up crime scene cleanup. If you need that done at your Delta Green crime scene. Yeah, so in the fiction of this scenario, I guess, if these guys have run across Delta Green before, they've been kind of turned, and now Delta Green hires out from them rather than just crushing them. I um, I liked this is to kind of get away from the... the um what the scenario was about. I really liked the way that this one was written. Um, I think we've talked in the past about how some of the better shotgun scenarios use like bold, bold lettering for uh, standout stuff. I disagree. I think it's a, I think it's good to use that, but I think that when you're forcing poor Ed Possing to put the whole thing up on the wiki, it's better to use bold, not bolding, but um, capital letters. All yes, caps? capital letters, because that means yeah, that he doesn't correct. have to fuck with with uh, um, the the strong tag. 
Besides which, Caps Lock is cruise control for cool. Uh, well, for this, which is like a self-published PDF they put out there, I, I think they used it pretty well. Uh, there was one segment that really stood out to me. Uh, just uh, beyond the bolding of the letters about the, the content of what it said, this is this one line, I'm going to read it. Uh, it has been refurbished with a modern RFID system. Those last three words were bolded. Meaning agents will need to convince someone to buzz them in unless they're willing to attempt vertical action. And you could hear me like kind of emphasize the bolded text there. Um, I, I really like the way it was written here because those three different ways to get past the obstacle that is the building without like listing, you know, the skills that a person could use to get in. Yes. And that's pretty evocative, or not evocative, that's pretty much what the contest was kind of about, was uh, short getting it done, right? Getting her done. And I think I think you can go too far with bolding, and I say this as someone who really appreciates it because it makes the scenario readable. This took me a couple passes to figure out what's going on. It's, it's written much more like a... Like an, an, almost like a novel style than it is like here's a scenario that, that was also run. one of the huge problems with a wizard was that when I was reading it and running it there were sections that said um, stuff like the wizard doesn't appreciate this if you do it he will punish you and he will punish you as written in bold but it didn't fucking say how he would punish you oh you've been a, you've been a bad little uh, burglar and wizard's gonna wizard's gonna it's going to get you. It was very evocative and very scary to read, <laughs> but not necessarily helpful to run. And there's a couple places where this one is like that. Yeah, I mean, I, this is probably the one I would have the most trouble picking off. Of Strongly the disagree. Running. The one where it's like the animated Chuck E. Cheese with human brains inside, that is the one that I had a lot of trouble understanding. Oh, uh, one more thing about this one I really liked was the monster's abilities. There was, if I can go down to a stat block real fast, uh, there is a thing it has where instead of doing HP damage, it um, reverts the skill back to its base rating with its brain pick. And that's a, a neat attack because it doesn't hurt you physically, it hurts you uh, later on down the line because I need those skill points. Uh, so who else likes one? Uh, I feel like we'd be remiss not to mention Zomner, since he's the one that uh, hosted the project for us, or uh, hosted the contest for us. Uh, he did a Blair Witch-like scenario called the Arkham Witch Project, um, and it's supposed to be about like found footage and a bunch of uh, just kind of following or like uh, trying to find some missing NPCs. And creepy things happen to them, and then they come upon a witch house. So um, it's three pages long, which is, you know, shorter than... This is like sawed-off shotgun length. Yeah, but there, there's enough there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is enough to run. Like I said um, at the beginning, almost all of the entries are in a state where you can run them. Just a minor addition. Did anyone listen to this one being run, or...? I don't think he, I don't think he play-tested it. He did. I was actually in the playtest for this one. Yeah, so I was, in, I was first I was going to say, man, he doesn't follow his own rules, but how did it go? I thought it was fun. It was, if you're, if you're familiar with the movie at all, it's pretty. it was pretty clear what was coming from his brief. So I had fun kind of playing out the beats from the movie. Like we went into the woods and we started finding the little stick figures and things like that. Time was looping. Uh, how did it resolve? We found the kid in the house and we 
killed him and just made uh, made up, you know, the usual thing, made up a story that he attacked us because we were all cops. Sprinkle a little crack. Yeah. 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 I thought that L Space was pretty cool. L Space is a scenario based on the scene from the novel Small Gods, where during the burning of the imaginary ancient Greek library, the orangutan man who collects books for the secret wizard university teleports in and steals all the scrolls before they burn so that he can put them in the library because the librarian is like a cool character and so this dude this dude by the way who is uh fuzzy author of l space decided to just combine that with an existing Delta Green plot element, which is that in Delta Green there's a secret Yithian library in the heart of the Congo, or somewhere in Central Africa, that is filled with a civilization of ape men, which is like recycled from uh, an older story in the Cthulhu mythos about the same thing. And so they said that these ape men are a secret civilization that the like the Ithians made or whatever. Who cares about the backstory? The point is, you're Pisces, you're, you're British Delta Green, you go to the library because you know stuff's fucked up, the secret Pisces library, you go through the portal into the Library of Alexandria as the Romans are destroying it, and then you have to negotiate with the librarian who was kidnapped and with the ape-man librarian while simultaneously fending off attacks from gladius-wielding legionnaires. Yeah, the set pieces were all pretty cool. I really like the concept of it that all libraries are linked through... Uh, they're like a liminal space and they're all kind of linked through uh, you know, whatever time, space, dimensions. Like, all, all libraries is the same. Yeah, I thought this one was good. Uh, it could have used more like more like stuff to do as in i think it would have been fun if you had to travel through like several libraries in history maybe like subsequent because because the thing is is that every civilization has like a thing where they allegedly burned the library of alexandria like oh it was the romans no it was the christians no it was the muslims and there's all these like legends about it and so i think it would be fun to like extend that to other libraries like um maybe uh like a nazi book burning and you know you're you're in a a a library and the Huns come in to to trash the place, and so you got to blast your way out to the brown shirts, or you know maybe like some future fucking library, like in the year two billion A.D., the librarian sneaks in to get all the books out before the the orbital library is consumed by the sun as it becomes a red giant. That's pretty good, because that's when it's going to happen. Two billion astronomers don't at me. I think you could use probably more. Like, he he lists artifacts and tomes, and then there's only one thing there. That would have been a place, if you had time, you could have put a bunch of cool stuff. It's a classic case, yeah, of, like, again, this this has to be razor sharp if it's going to be done in a weekend. So, obviously, you can't you can't have everything. I had the same problem with my scenario about um, the library, because players instantly went into the rare book manuscripts, uh, and rare books and manuscripts part of the library. Um, it's fun to have more Pisces stuff. I think that Night at the Opera has between me and all the other users there have created more Pisces scenarios than all of history of Delta Green put together because the only Pisces scenarios that I've ever seen actually written up in a playable format were 
one or two in Black Seal and then one or two in Fairfield Project. And we at Night of the Opera have already surpassed that numerically. So, good for us. Maybe one day they'll pay us for our work. Uh, I'm not going to take the king's shilling on this one. I think that um, we'll do this bit some other time. We've got we got a couple left. Um, Operation Green Room and Operation Curdled Enthusiasm. Yes, this was by Ben. Uh, it's To me, it seemed like a, kind of a straight-up bug hunt with a little bit of investigation ahead of it, which is a pretty fun like way to do a scenario. You know what I mean? You poke around a bit, and then you go fight stuff. Um, but that's nice. Curdled Kirtle- Enthusiasm, the plot is that you are Delta Green. You get a notification from someone who says, the situation's all fucked up, we need your help. And so you being good little Delta Green agents, you go to help, and then you go on this adventure where you talk to all these conspiraboomers about the secrets that they know. And what what happened was they all got infected with psychic juice distilled from the glob of Ahort. Ahort is a mythos creature that infects people with his little broodlings, but this Ahort is something called a fatberg in the sewer. A fatberg is just a clump of fat that appears in the sewer after too much of it accumulates in one place. And this this Ahort fatberg has infected all these people with itself and given them psychic powers, like weekly psychic abilities. So the twist is that the person who contacted you and said this is an issue we need your help is not a registered delta green friendly is not someone who should who should have even had that phone number but because they had psychic powers from the ahort juice knew how to call delta green and knew that the conspiracy existed and then there's a whole bunch of other stuff about how you have to go through all like there's a list of different conspiracy boomers and how they've been uh, mind parasitized by Ahort and how they have different conspiracy beliefs and how they all kind of self-destruct in different ways. Like there's one guy who has a gun and, and goes down shooting and there's one who tries to run. And then if the scenario isn't moving fast enough, you also have the option to introduce a devoted servant of Ahort who has been made immortal by his special juices in exchange for cleaning up his messes. Yeah, and, and, and then when she comes, that's when the real threat happens because then the agents can also get infected so it's sort of a fail state uh my um only criticism of this scenario was that it didn't feel like um you if you're looking and you're trying to do the bug hunt the broodling is under the city but it doesn't really have um anything about navigating underneath the city right there's no content for the sewer fight right uh i mean you know it's a sewer and you fight yeah I, i guess you could make it up yourself, but I just wanted a little bit more there. That's yeah, it. like, do, does Ahort swim away in the sewer garbage? Does he try to kill you? Does he have, you know, an attack? Dr- drown you in shit but like, water. But, like, you could also um, cause an explosion if you throw a grenade down there, oh, because there's so much yeah. garbage gas. That's true. So you could yeah. burn him alive, and his and he'd, he'd, you know, he'd be like a big piece of bacon with all that fat, except that he'd be disgusting garbage instead. Anyway, good scenario. Uh, yeah, good one. It's ready to it's ready to go. That's uh, what the point of it was, you know. Just do it, get it out there, and make sure it's in a playable state. Green Room is one that has a lot of very evocative descriptions, but was quite difficult for me to follow. There's a lot of cool NPCs, lots of flavor, and a lot of interesting set pieces. 
but I had to read it a couple times before I figured out how they all slotted together. Uh, there's a hook. There's it. it so it, it is very clearly built using the advice from the handler's guide because it has all the steps clearly called out. And it did fall into a trap, which we identified when we did our handler's guide scenario build, which was that this scenario does not have a good executive summary of what's going on because it was built in the order of these pieces rather than being assembled from a single coherent premise. Yeah, um, he does have like an events timeline in there as well as a brief list of the NPCs, uh, but they're in an order that just makes it a little bit hard to understand. It just needed some formatting, I think. Yeah, just a little formatting. Yeah, it would have done, done a lot of good. So the, the plot of the scenario is that there is a guy who got secret robotics instructions from the Migo, and because his he has like deeply disordered thoughts, is teaching all of the elder secrets that he learned to children. And there's also a subplot about him working at like a Chuck E. Cheese's or similar animatronic pizza parlor and hunting another Delta Green working group and putting their brains in robots and stuff. The, the Chuck E. Cheese band as Mad Flatus of uh, As the Thoth is a really nice... I had to read it a couple times before I realized that was what was happening. And it's Cheesy Chucks, thank you. I, again, I mentioned I was... A little tied up the weekend. This happens. I couldn't write anything, but I did brainstorm an idea, which is basically the this the rocket fire explosion is the is that animatronic band, and it basically going to be them like who they were in like a driving around in a food truck making people into food. Uh, just like just like Big Top Burgers, but with Delta Green. The Zomnicon entry I would have written. Yeah, it looks like we uh covered all nine. There was no winner. We didn't vote on anything in this contest. I just thought it was a. A lot of fun. I would for sure do something like this again. I think that in general, these short scenario jams are great. I, uh, I I disagree with you when you said that there are no winners. I think that we're all winners, just for having participated. Well, you, you made that joke twice in this segment, so I think it, it didn't land the first time. It didn't land this time either. Oh, wait, I made it. I made that joke. The twice. thing that made me real happy about this contest is that a lot of people wrote feedback for it afterwards. Like more than I've ever seen for a contest, because there probably because there were not that many submissions and they were all pretty short. But maybe like six or seven people have written their thoughts about all the scenarios, which is really good because that's the reason why I do um, any kind of contest, like shotgun scenarios or any night at the opera one, is to get replies, not to win, because winning kind of stopped mattering when they stopped putting stuff in the unspeakable oath for Delta Green. So now it's all about getting those sweet U's. But yeah, it was a good contest, uh, and I'm glad that we did it. Yeah. Thank you very much, Zomner. Thank you, all of the submitters, and thank you, everyone who played in the scenarios and everyone who reviewed them. It was really good. I'm going to end this on a positive note because I had a lot of fun, and I think that uh, this is a... Uh, oh, yeah, also... um. We can include the intro video that he made, that Zomner made, for the contest. Yeah, we'll for sure include that. It was just like a 20-second video of ZomnerCon. But just that sort of like 80s tracking sort of style to it. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, because he, cause he, cause he's like all about video editing and stuff. He did some video editing for your uh, submissions to your uh, Micromedia's contest, Jake. How could I forget the best part? Yeah, uh, no, this is a contest that makes me glad I'm a member of Night at the Opera. Right. 
Yeah, that that that's it for me. Does anyone else have any closing thoughts before we kill this segment? Those of you who did participate in Zomnocon, how much, if at all, did your process change having to write a scenario in a very short, compressed length of time? It just made me feel the pressure to get it done faster. That pressure that usually only comes right before the deadline is uh, about to come. Just this sort of uh, Damocles, you know? Uh, the main thing for me was that typically when I write something, I will do... I, I do like an outline where I just put where all the stuff should go. Like I'll write in one place NPC description or I'll write another place descriptive text and I'll write that in red to remind myself when I'm scrolling through the document that that's where the information needs to go. And what'll happen is if there's a part that I'm not excited about writing because I think it's boring, I just put it off and I do something else. The thing that the contest did was I had to either say, if I'm not excited about writing it, either I have to do it because I have a limited amount of time and I can't put it off, or just fucking get rid of it. If it's not exciting to me, it's not going to be exciting to the players. But the thing is, is that this contest was in many ways just the way I write things anyways, which is just do the fun stuff and don't worry about the rest. I was just going to remark that, that you know, we, you've talked about your, your philosophy of writing scenarios frequently on the show, and so it sounds like this contest was just sort of your philosophy of writing scenarios applied to your own philosophy of writing scenarios. Yeah, and I'm wondering if maybe, because I, I got like a really positive reception on this one, people have, have were generally really um, supportive of, of the stuff that I made. And just in general, all the feedback was, was pretty positive for, for these scenarios. And I'm wondering if maybe um, I'm, I'm getting away, I was getting away from like the principles that that made me enjoy uh, doing RPG stuff. And this is what brought me back. Because I did, I, so I did, I did a, a dungeon key for another project I was working on, and it ended up being like 48 pages long. And it was just a lot of like, this room is the washroom. It has washcloths and a washboard and 38 silver pieces in washing. And then doing this was like, no, just think about the good shit. Just don't worry about like how many meters the hallway is. I believe you've called it um, in the past. You say it, it's, and this is a phrase that stuck with me because I remember it. It's um, Lucky Charms, but it's all marshmallows. Yes. And eventually you're going to get sick of that, but hopefully the scenario will be over by then. Oops, all good content. Yeah, a.k.a. our show. Our show.